Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are thrilled to have you here with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cam Clutter's our bro Easto. Good morning, Cameron. Good morning, Amanda. <laughs> you know, we've been doing this since the end of July, mm-hmm. and I still need like a, notes that say, I'm Dave Orsborn. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's maybe just the security of having it there. It is. It's, it's, it's my little blanket. First up this morning, we're going to continue our series on the Creed with Dr. Marlon Delatore, focusing on the Trinity this morning. Then our friends Kelly Henderson, President and CEO of Catholic Social Services of Columbus, and Kevin Lowry, Board President of St. Gabriel Radio and Executive Vice President of Rev Local will join us to chat about leadership. Good morning again, Amanda. (laughs) Good morning. Shall we start in prayer? Let's. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Mm. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for another day, for your goodness and for your blessings and in the ways that you are leading us and guiding us and sustaining us. Lord, we pray in particular for the graces that we need this day, that you would give us our daily bread this day, that whatever you are calling us to be attentive to, however you are calling us to grow, however you are calling us to love, that we would have the graces for that particular moment and that particular time to minister to those before us and to just be drawn more deeper and deeper into your heart. And Lord, Grant us the courage of true surrender, surrender to your will. We pray all this through Our Lady's intercession. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. How was your evening? It was pretty good. Pretty low-key. Yeah. How was yours? (sighs) Can't beat this weather. I'll tell you that. How can you not be happy? Uh, uh, Oh, because yesterday was so beautiful. Okay, actually... I was kind of sad because I was in the car a lot tomorrow. <laughs> there, how can you not be happy? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know, it's true. But it was because I was in the car mostly, and I was like, ah, it's just killing me not to be outside right now. <laughs> yeah. I made it by Sharon Woods on my way home and did a little stroll, and the birds are chirping. Yeah. So, how about you, Cameron? How was your evening? It was good. I spent it with my daughter for the most part. Um, my wife was hanging out with a friend, showing her around the gym, things like that. My wife is avidly loves to work out, um, and tries to convince me that I should do the same. And so, uh, I got to stay home with Olive and that was the best. I always love spending time with her. Nice. Go for a walk. We did not, but we had the window open in the living room. Sorry. (laughs) We had the window open in the living room. Let's take a look at today's gospel, shall we? This is from Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 to 12. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, 
but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to carry and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation, Rabbi. As for you, do not be called Rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. A lot there. What, what popped for you, Cam? Right in the middle of today's gospel passage, it's... Uh, Jesus talks about the what the Pharisees love. They love places of honor. They love the best seats at the synagogues. They love salutations in the marketplaces, and they love being called rabbi. And I think this is always like a gut check for me when it comes to recognizing the blessings that the Lord has given me, but not like not thinking, oh, how I've earned these. So, so like uh, putting on a, like a high and mighty kind of persona about it. So like the one area that comes to mind for me, I got a bachelor's degree in theology and worked really hard for that. I'm very proud of it, but that doesn't mean I'm like the world's most expert or renowned theologian. Not nearly. There are people who have doctorates and they're, they're cooler than me. Right. But also recognizing even when it comes to day-to-day conversations my wife and I have these a lot just because I have a theology degree doesn't make me better at the Christian life than she is Hmm. we have but one master you know and his name is Jesus and and the the Lord has called me to serve him in a particular way and and through the different gifts that I have he's calling uh, the people around me to the same and just because I have a piece of paper that might you know look bigger (laughs) than than other people's when it comes to that doesn't make me um better of a christian and it's always a good reminder to me for that to to kind of look through my life and say okay lord where do i need to be more humble where do i need to mm-hmm. accept that like y- you're god and i'm not right and and putting things in that order in that place Yeah, Cam, actually, your reflection makes me think of the very last sentence in the gospel today. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And as you were sharing, it was just making me think, yeah, all is gift. Like there is not one thing that we don't have that doesn't directly come from the hands of the Lord. And um, how important it is to have those gut checks, right? This idea of, wow, there is... I have nothing and I am nothing without the goodness of God. Um, and yeah, so just remembering that, that humility and, and then something else that really stood out to me today during the gospel is 
all their works are performed to be seen. And that to be seen just reminded me of the intention behind all the works that I do. What is what is the intention and is it for the glory of God or is it is there a lack of humility in there in those intentions? Mm, yeah. Yeah, humility. Seeing people as God sees people. Mm-hmm. The, you know, there, there was a time in my life where those that I held in the highest esteem were those that were exalted, you know, uh, business leaders or athletes or, you know, musicians that don't have a, a musical bone in my body. But those are the people that really stood out, and I wanted to be like them. You know, those were my role models. Those were, um, you know, I wanted to be exalted as as they were exalted in, uh, you know, the family life as well as in career. Um, But what the Lord has really shown me, um, those who I've, looked at more and more um are those that have such a authentic humility mm-hmm. about them and i've learned more um uh, from them and how i should live my life by <laughs> just just how they pursue the lord and have things in the right order Mm-hmm. and see things the, the way that the Lord does. And that, that takes a ton of humility. The other line that really stood out was the, uh, they preach, but they do not practice. Mm. Yeah, that's convicting. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot to pray about each and every day. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about leadership with our friends uh, Kelly and Kevin uh, coming up here in a few minutes. And I really want to talk about humility and uh, the role of being humble leaders in our organizations as well as in our families. Mm-hmm. So joining us now, our Tuesday morning bestie, Dr. Marlon Delatore. Dr. Marlon, how are you? Good morning, David and Amanda. Doing well on yourselves. Good morning. Blessed. Good morning. We're, con- we're continuing our series on the creed. Amen. Amen. It's always a, it's always good to talk about the profession of faith. So it's uh, it anchors us in who we are as uh, as children of God. So it's it's good to have a direction, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Dr. Marlin. Last time our conversation took us to really we were just starting the very first part of the creed and. We got as far as I believe in God, <laughs> which was great because we talked about not only is this a statement of belief in God, but really a disposition mm-hmm. to assent to him and a recognition right. that we are a part of the kingdom and really a pledge to proclaim the gospel. And and then we were hoping today that maybe we could dive a little deeper and talk about how the creed is Trinitarian. So where would you like to start? Absolutely. I think let's talk about really, we'll look at, at nature and also who we are as, as children of God with respect to the Trinity. I, I think that'll, that'll help our audience a little bit. So when you look at the Creed and you start introducing someone into the Trinity, it can be very cavernous and very intimidating. But but the Creed is, is situated in a way where uh, there's an intro way to understand the Father. And so when you hear the term Trinity or the word Trinity, 
you think, all right, there's three things I'm dealing with here, but how do they reflect my understanding of God? What do they mean? How do I live out uh, this Trinity uh, concept? And so we have to look at it from the perspective of, of, of nature and person. And so what I mean by that is this. So our nature given to us by God drives us to do something. And so we're infinitely created. Our nature cannot be destroyed because it's made by God. We can damage it, but we can't destroy it because we're not the author of our own nature. But what we can do is we can be driven to do good, and we're created naturally to do good. However, in that nature, our body, our physical body, is a representation of that nature and actually does the act itself. So there's two components here that are working, so that are operating. So when you look at both nature and the person, so the nature is, is what I'm made of. The person is how I reflect my nature. And so when you look at those two things, it's important for us to, to look at that body-soul composite because that's how God reveals himself to us through a body-soul. And when you take that concept and understanding with respect to the Trinity, you're dealing with God the Father who is nature himself. He is Alpha, he is Omega, he is Infinite, he is He's wonderful. He is, he is daddy. He is father. However, father chooses to reveal himself in a way that could be understood by his children. And so when you look at Trinity uh, and you look at the concept of the Trinity and the doctrine of Trinity, it really is uh, an expression and manifestation of how God chooses to reveal his nature to us. And he chooses it by uh, three distinct forms. He is God, two, by a human being, man, Christ the Son, and by the breath or spirit of God in the Holy Spirit. So when you take this concept of nature and body, or nature and person, it gives you at least an entryway as to what the Trinity is and why God chooses, chooses to reveal himself in that fashion. The creed celebrates that. So when you say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, all right, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, he is absolutely introducing us to the celebration of how he reveals himself to us, both by nature and person. Dr. Marlon Delatore here with us in the cafe. We're talking about the creed, the Trinitarian <clears throat> aspects here right at the beginning. Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit. D- doctor, is there, um, is, I don't know, is deism the right word where if we were to keep God separated from, you know, just as creator, but not active mm-hmm. in, in our lives, mm-hmm. is, is that where another way of uh, talking about Jesus, his son mm-hmm. as, as being not only relevant, but being, you know, central, um, to our humanity. You see where I'm going with that? I do, I do. I think, uh, uh, from a practical standpoint, David, man, let's look at it from this perspective. All right, so would it be fair to say that we are deistic as human beings? And what I mean by that is, would it be fair to say that, that we bear the image of God? And, and if that's the case, uh, if we bear the image of God, then our understanding of deity or deism or, or the study of, of, a, of a grand power or authority, a study of a god, uh, then would make somewhat sense to the common mind or to the common person. Meaning that if, if I bear a resemblance to how God envisioned me to be, all right, so that means that I have this, this theistic quality. 
So it's got to come from this uh, concept of deism or th- this God-like figure. Right? And so that's where we begin to somehow uh, connect the dots between, all right, if I am a child of God, if this proposition by this church, this Catholic church says that I'm a child of God, but I don't see it. All right, for example, if we take an apologetic meant to this. And then you ask yourself, all right, so I have this nature, uh, I'm this person, I do what I want, uh, I pray how I want, but I don't necessarily see a connection with this, with this deism or this deity. All right, so what do I do then? Well, then I think you have to ask yourself, all right, if I'm, if I'm called to do something, if my intellect in the world tells me to do something right or wrong, and, and I receive this particular identity, I didn't make it on my own. It's got to come from somewhere. And so this is where the concept of deism, Dave, would, would come into play. Got it. All right. And so you've got to connect those dots, practically speaking, from a human perspective, because you have to ask yourself from a simple way, all right, why do I engage in conversation, say, with you and Amanda, or why would I sin if I even understand the concept of sin? Or why would I even dare um, want to help someone in need? Now, I, I, I raise these points because the creed is meant to answer that. The creed literally was established to help us answer those questions and to bring a reality or realism into our daily life as children of God. That's why the sacraments are called uh, the realisms of the love of God, because they bring, in, they bring into our understanding a more tangible way of looking, who, of looking at ourselves and who we are as a child, and that Christ, the Son of God, the second person of this Holy Trinity, met, was meant to bring a realism to God a way that we can understand them both in person and in nature. So all that, Dave, is part of that understanding of deism. Once you get that, literally, if, if a person understands that basic concept, then I guarantee you prayer makes more sense, because now you have an identity of how to pray and who you're praying with and for. Just the very word, Father. <laughs> you yeah. know, um yeah. The, the reality, yeah, the the relational aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's a powerful thing. I mean, uh, look at this way. Imagine, or Amanda, imagine if all of a sudden God manifests himself to you in a way you haven't seen before, and he tells you, and looks you in the eyes and says, Amanda, I am literally your father in heaven. I am. And, I, I mean, I, I, would say, I would venture to say you'd be overwhelmed by that. Way overwhelmed. <laughs> because because it, it, when you look at the Old Testament, he expressed that way to, to Abram. He revealed himself that way to Moses, all right? And then he used the prophets to communicate that uh, to Jacob, obviously Israel, Aaron, Joshua, and what have you. So he's done this, and he wants to do this. And so we, we see in the Old Testament the exercise of God's nature and using a human being to basically prove his point that he is God. And so when you hear Dad come to you and say, you know what, Amanda, I love you, or Dave, I love you, uh, love my son, uh, it's, it's a simple analogy where, where he tells Peter to, to feed my land, to feed my sheep. He's basically, there's an underpinning to that, well, you suffer for my sheep and for my lambs, just like I did. And when you look at that aspect as well regarding the Trinity, uh, the Creator says, is telling you is telling you two things. One, believe in me, but also suffer for me. And, and this is part of that 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 concept of Father saying, "I love you. I want everything for you. But I've given you something, my son. I want you to take on the same." And so this is all part of this uh, beautiful interplay regarding deism, 
God, Trinity, why the creed is so important, why it's embedded into the very fabric of why we profess our faith uh, every day in baptism. So uh, there's a lot there when you hear the concept of Father. Father's telling you, I love you. And, and he's making a profession of faith. And Satan's saying, I love you, and I want to expand that love to you by giving you my son and my voice. Hmm. And th- that's just a powerful thing. So really, whenever we pray the creed, it's important to remember this is also just a love note. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. I, could, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, Amanda, I, I, I would hope people would see that yeah. more often, that it, it, it's meant to be uh, an entryway to have a perpetual journal with God, and that uh, His words are, are meant to penetrate our heart as much as possible. Uh, I love that. Dr. Marlon Delatore here with us in the cafe. We're working our way through the creed, uh, talking this morning about uh, about the Trinity. Mm-hmm. I think let's talk about the Trinity next week. Also, <laughs> I, I think there's I think there's you mean more. There's more to be said? I think there's more to be said. Sure. <laughs> I, no, I think uh, I mean the, we could expand it. I mean we we can take an entire year just covering the Trinity. Not, not that your your audience would want to do that, but. Um, I, I think one thing about the, about the Trinity and the Creed is this. It is a manifestation of God's love in the way that it attacks all our senses. So in communication and body and soul. And so only a loving Father would address all of our senses and say, I, I need you to know you are loved intellectually, intimately, physically, psychologically, morally. I need to know that I am all-encompassing for you. And so I need to reveal myself to you so you know that I am love for you. And I think so sometimes that's forgotten when we get into the minutia of the doctrine of the Trinity or the Creed, thinking, oh, this is what I have to do. It's like, no, it's an eternal love story. And, and, and this is the premise behind why the Trinity exists, why God exists, uh, because his love has no end. So, hmm. Look forward to diving into that. <laughs> amen, amen. And maybe uh, next week, then, also, we can bring our Blessed Mother into it. That would be fun. That would be great. We can easily tie in our Blessed Mother and her role, because uh, when she says yes to Gabriel, she's basically affirming the Trinity. And that's something we tend to overlook as well. So we'd love to dive into that as well. Fantastic. Our Tuesday morning bestie, Dr. Marlon Delatory. <laughs> Too kind, David. Too kind. <laughs> Thanks. It's always, great. it's always great being with both of you. Yeah, likewise. God bless you. Have a good one. You too. God bless. We're going to continue the conversation on leadership with our friends Kelly Henderson and Kevin Lowry here in the St. Gabriel Cafe. Stay with us. A prayer for Ohio. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all of your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers. 
and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and walking with pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of perseverance is seen in Servant of God, Elizabeth Lesseur. She lived perseverance heroically by facing opposition from her atheist husband for the practice of her faith. She chose to pray for him rather than engage in arguments. After her death, he found and read her journals that revealed her love for Christ. He later converted and became a Dominican priest. Let us ask Servant of God Elizabeth Wasser to pray for us, that we may grow in perseverance. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. I'm Lori Kroc, and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. Change can be challenging, whether it's starting a new exercise program, going back to school, or beginning a new job. Isn't it the same in our spiritual lives? Change can be uncomfortable, and we can be filled with uncertainty, whether we move to a new parish, join a Bible study, or say yes to serving in a new ministry. When I contemplate change, I think of the Blessed Mother and her surrender to change in the joyful mysteries of the Rosary. At the Annunciation, in her visit to Elizabeth, with the birth of her son, in the presentation of Jesus, and in finding Jesus' teaching in the temple. Our Lady's life was one of constant change, but in uniting her will to the will of the Father, she is a beautiful example of relying on faith in God amidst the changes in our lives. Let us pray. Blessed Mother, we thank you for your example of surrender to change. May we also trust in God's plan for our lives. Amen. Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborne. I did that without notes. <laughs> Good job, Dave. <laughs> Thank you. That a boy. Joining us now at the cafe are friends Kevin Lowry and Kelly Henderson. Kevin is the president of the board here at St. Gabriel and executive VP at Rev Local. Kelly Henderson leads Catholic Social Services of Columbus. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Good Dave. morning. You have your game faces on. Oh, yeah, we're ready. <laughs> Good leaders are always ready, right, Dave? Ready That's, to well, go into battle. Are they? That's a topic we can cover. <laughs> so, <laughs> Kelly, tell us about uh, the organization that you lead, uh, Catholic Social Services of Columbus. I'm always happy to tell the story of Catholic Social Services. I'm, a, I'm blessed to lead a wonderful organization that's been serving since 1945 for all of Central and Southern Ohio. We work with older adults trying to age in place, working families trying to find a better tomorrow, and college students navigating the challenges of non-conventional education when they have families of their own. And then we're working closely to expand and grow to serve more people across the Diocese of Columbus and also to involve the community in our work. We just launched this week a new community engagement division that will be focused on creating opportunities for people to volunteer and serve. Volunteerism becomes discipleship, discipleship becomes faith, and it allows us to to really connect our mission with our identity 
and we uh, were really honored to be that. I've got a wonderful team of about 80 staff and hundreds of volunteers. Oh. Now, is the volunteering going to be done primarily through parishes, or how will people be able to connect with you? We are creating a model where you can have a mission experience at our site or yours. Mm -hmm. So imagine coming to serve in, in a food pantry and stocking shelves and working with our guests coming in for support, and that's one way to volunteer. Imagine your school being involved where you, the kids can come together at a break and, and build product and help us to be able to support uh, folks that we serve through broader geography, and maybe it's uh, at their place, and parishes. How do we uh, mobilize and engage parishes in the way that the people in the pews can be a part of the solution and really live their faith uh, in between Sundays? Very good. Kevin Lowry, good how, do you, how do you serve St. Gabriel and Rev Local? Well, St. Gabriel, um, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to be part of a wonderful board. It's, it's just like going to a family reunion every time that we have a board meeting. And it, it's, it's just a terrific group of people. They're very dedicated. They're very committed to the mission of St. Gabriel. And uh, that's just, it's just a privilege. Um, Rev Local is a, a digital marketing company. It's a secular company. Uh, it's been around a little over 10 years. We've got uh, close to 400 employees. We've got salespeople across the country. We've got 250 or so uh, local folks. And it's, it's just, again, it's a wonderful executive team. Uh, one of the, my, my best friends on this planet is Mark Hawk, who mm -hmm. is the, the former president of St. Gabriel Radio, and just one of the most effective leaders that I've ever uh, been able to work with. And we just have a really healthy, good leadership team. Uh, that I, I just revel in, you know, so uh, I, I don't profess to say that we're perfect at anything, but we are students of leadership and uh, we're always seeking to, to get better because it affects a lot of people. Kevin Lowry, Kelly Henderson here in the cafe with us. Let's start the discussion or continue the discussion. One thing I've wondered, is there a distinction between leadership and management or leaders and managers of course yeah i mean to me it, leadership it's sort of like leadership is pulling and management is pushing you know in a certain sense because if you think about it even you know leadership is pervasive and the need for leadership is pervasive but uh, I, and and the way that we tend to get better is in two ways number one is what we read and how we learn more about leadership and also who we meet and who, you know, who our examples are. Mm -hmm. um, one of the best books that I've read on leadership in the last decade is uh, called Virtuous Leadership by a guy named uh, Alexander Havard. It's just excellent. He talks about how leadership is character, you know, and how humility and magnanimity are sort of the basis of effective leadership. And you think about it, uh, you know, in, in that construct, leaders are made not born i mean certain people have good attributes that lend themselves to leadership but it's really about character development over the course of time that makes us more effective leaders and uh, you know i think that there's so much to that because it it means that there can be leadership in you know in families in organizations 
And, you know, when I was a little kid, we used to do pick up uh, street hockey games because I'm from Canada, you know, so that was our baseball. That's what you would do. Exactly. Yeah. That's what you would do. There was leadership there because mm-hmm. you had to pick teams. You had to, you know, th- th- when there were penalties and things like that, you know, so leadership is just, it's necessary all over the place. And the beauty of it is it has an impact on people that can be very positive. Mm-hmm. Kelly? Yeah, I agree with that, Kevin. I think the the beauty of leadership and the real core of leadership is uh, that example that you said. I've always tried to live by a leadership philosophy that was handed down to me from just wonderful mentors over the years that leaders really surround themselves with talented people, challenge them to be better, and then get out of their way. Right. And, and that does really give the distinction between the leadership and management piece uh, one of my favorite quotes is from a, a Navy, naval adi- aviator back in the World War II who wrote a children's book called The Little Prince, and his name is uh, Antoine de saint Exupéry. Now, my French is not good, so <laughs> you can look up Antoine. Uh, but he, <laughs> he offered vision over direction in this quote. He says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men to gather wood, divide the work, and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast an endless sea. Hmm. Hmm. Leaders provide vision, provide direction, but in a way that inspires people to come along and support that shared purpose, that shared mission as much more than just giving orders. And see, I think Kelly, that's, I love that because that's so important. The, the, the connection between leadership and mission You know, because in a sense, why do we need leadership? You know, why does leadership exist? It's really to accomplish mission, anything of of importance. Again, from the pickup sports game when you're a kid all the way through to the most important endeavors that humans are after. And you need leadership to be able to accomplish that. So it's it's a great, uh, I I love that quote. I'll have to look it up, yeah. What what was your understanding of leadership growing up, maybe before you dove more into your understanding of the Christian faith or were impacted by um, maybe Christian leaders. Yeah, well, you know, Kelly, I'm not sure about you, but my uh, I remember seeing my dad in leadership roles um, when I was a kid. He was a first he was a professor. He was an academic, but he was also a minister. Um, and he was, well, he was the, the clerk of the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in Canada. So that was a very visible leadership role. And frankly, what I saw was a, an enormous amount of struggle mm. that he went through because part of that role that he was in at the time was helping to reconcile conflict within churches uh, across, across Canada. And that was challenging because people had, uh, you know, very distinct ideas about how they wanted to do it. And what was missing that is such a gift in the Catholic Church was was authority that was able to direct in the right way. You know, it not sort of, it, sometimes people have, a, it, they think of authority and they think it's a bad word. You know, that there are negative connotations. But properly used, authority is precisely for good leadership. Mm, mm-hmm. And so I just, but I remember him struggling with some of those things because, uh, and, and of course now he's, he's Catholic <laughs> and he loves it because you yeah. know, he, he doesn't have to be the judge and jury on every single little thing. Uh, so yeah, at least that, that was my experience. Yeah. Kelly, Kelly, you? Yeah, Kelly you mentioned, uh, mentors growing up. So yeah. In, in, in my, in my career, in my life, I've been blessed to 
to have people that have been willing to take this misfit under their wing and and offer <laughs> some wisdom and, and guidance along the way. I've, uh, a couple of mentors, uh, very strong women in the business community, as well as men that had a different uh, view on things. One of the one of the, one mentor um, that I really really cherished a relationship with was uh, Coach Bill Curry. Uh, and many folks know mm-hmm. Coach Bill Curry from uh, the Packers, and he coached uh, Georgia Tech, he coached Alabama, he coached Kentucky for a while in Super Bowl Super Bowl one. Yeah, was was coach. Uh, but Coach really impressed upon me the value of humility in leadership and that he would he would often say, in the huddle, we all bleed the same. You know, come together in the huddle. We have common purpose, common mission, and it's not about, a th- it's not about power at that point. And, Kevin, you mentioned authority, and I think sometimes when we mix up authority and power, authority and power are, are, are often too – really should be two break, different break, things. Break oh. that down because Chris Stefanik was talking about this also at the men's conference mm-hmm. on Saturday. He was. If we look back in the, one of my favorite stories in the gospel, and it's in all three of the synoptic gospels, was the when James and John were posturing. You remember the story, the sons yeah. of thunder always into something, <laughs> right? You know, they were who's going to be on the right hand and who's going to be on the left hand. And, and in one story, they even got their mom to go, yeah. go to Jesus for them. <laughs> um, but they were always posturing for, for their position. And, and, Jesus really would turn that, he turned that on its head and said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for ransom as many. And he also reminded them, whoever wishes to be great must be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first must be the slave of all. I think there was a lot of wisdom in hearing that Jesus had authority, authority by divine right, and, but he didn't use it as power over people. He taught us that power is a, is, is a privilege. Power is something that should be very used very carefully and that if we're going to be leaders, and he was trying to develop, he was mentoring these, these, these disciples as well to go forward and learn to be leaders and learn the difference between authority and power. Authority is that when people look to you and respect and hear and believe that you speak truth, um, and I think the most beautiful example of that is in the Gospel of John, where that story shifts a little bit as we near our Lord's Passion, where he washes their feet. Mm-hmm. And he says, I've given you an example, and you should do this as I've done for you. Um, that's authority through service. It's not power over people. And I, I think I, I really uh, like that, Kelly. It's very well said. The other piece of this, Dave, goes back to humility which is so foundational in so many ways, because if, if you think about it, you know, humility s- seeks to serve. Whereas we see a lot of bad examples of leaders who are all about number one, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and you can see it from a, from, from space, you know, it, it's really, it's so obvious <laughs> yeah. when you have that type of leader. In fact, I've learned from some very bad leaders along the way as well. I remember that the, I worked for Sony of Canada after uh, getting kicked out of Franciscan University the first time, although that's a different story. You, were only, different kicked, you were only kicked out once. I was only kicked out once, okay. yeah. But I went back and I worked for Sony um, up in Canada, and there was a guy at the time, and This is, I think the statute of limitations has run on this because this was a long time ago. This guy was absolutely brutal and was known for going around his department and chewing people out in front of everybody else. Yeah. 
And it was so bad that I remember, it, you know, here in my formative years, I was 18 years old, I think, at the time. And, and I just remember watching this kind of behavior and thinking, you know, if I ever become a manager, I am never going to treat people like this. And that's endured over the course. I mean, it just left sort of these, these marks. And then in, with reflection on that, he was always very concerned about how he was coming off to the executives above him. And so it really exemplified sort of this, this self-centered, uh, you know, form of leadership that's, that's really not true leadership because, it, it, you know, there was just, there's no filling that hole once you go into a place where it's all about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think we heard from the reading this morning, Alexio, as we were opening and Dr. Marlin also spoke a little bit too. It's, it's in leadership. It's it's not about us, mm-hmm. right? It can't be about us. Exactly. It's about what it's the about the obligation and the duty we have to to inspire and support others so that they could bring the best version of themselves forward. And I know that sounds cliche, but it's it's so true. I think it's completely true. You know, one of the things that that we talk about at Rev Local, part of our mission statement, is that we try to create an environment where people flourish. And part of that is we, we talk about people having different superpowers or, you know, strengths, but we call them superpowers because it's more fun to say that. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's really compelling that there, we have a lot of young people working for us, for example. They tend not to know exactly what their superpowers are. So part of what we need to do for them as leaders is sort of hold up a mirror to them and say, you know what, you're really good at this. And then if you play to that, First of all, they tend to do a better job and they tend to enjoy it more. Mm. So, you know, that's part of leadership as well is having that, you know, making sure that you are doing the best that you can by that person. And what it really comes down to, and we even use this language in a secular workplace, it's about how much you love your people Mm. in the sense that you have to will their good, even when that means giving them, you know, difficult feedback that's that's harder for them to hear just like we owe them positive feedback and making sure that they know what they're good at but you know it's an fraternal correction is an act of love it's an act of charity so we can take that into the workplace and we can use that to effectively build people because i'll tell you and kelly i'm not sure if this is the case in in catholic social services but what we find with young people in in uh in the secular workplaces they want feedback almost more than anything. It's so important to them to know how they're doing and what's been lost. And I, I, you know, there are lots of reasons for this. Maybe, you know, social media is so toxic in its feedback to, to other people and things. But if what's been lost is the art of being able to have respectful dialogue where you love the person, but you're also speaking truth to them in a way that's not destructive at all, but builds them up. Mm. Kelly Henderson, Kevin Lowry, here in the cafe, we're talking about leadership, that, that mission focus um, in an organization. And I also want to talk about um, leadership in, in, in family, also, gentlemen. The <laughs> going, so many organizations that were led by um, personalities, yeah, you know, yeah. in, in, in uh, came up in the 80s and, and 90s, and you know, they'd have nicknames like Chainsaw. Yeah, and 
I don't even think these organizations are around anymore because there wasn't, um, it was all about power. It was authoritarian and there was no cultivation of, of people. Right. And how often do organizations fail be because there isn't that cultivation of, uh, you know, looking for superpowers. But what I'm reminded of is how Jesus led. And obviously so many things of what each of you have said through this, um, Kevin, I'm reminded by, um, the description of your dad leading, uh, the church organization in Canada and the suffering and the disunity, right? Just like Jesus faced in his time and how did he deal with it? Right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, the burden of leadership. Um, comes with being able to carry the burdens of the those soft spots and in, in the relationships we're, we're we're really privileged to steward and develop and grow and 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 identify those strengths i love the the focus on a strength-based model and that's that's really leadership good leadership 101 is focus, find the strengths of your team invest in those because um, we all have weak spots we all have soft spots we, as we tie it back in our faith too, as as a as a lay Carmelite, I also really read a lot of the the Carmelite saints, and we have some wonderful doctors of the church who are Carmelites. And Teresa of Abla was known to be tough and known to be bold, and um, she's written a lot of great spiritual works. But her least read and least quoted book is all about leadership. It's called the Book of Her Foundations. It's how she founded 17 convents in Spain with a lot of headwinds and a lot of challenges over a 15-year period of time. She dealt with property acquisition and fundraising and unscrupulous business people in town and personnel issues, as we all have to struggle with as we develop and grow people. And one of her quotes she gave, or one of the letters she wrote to her prioress um, in Salamanca in, in 1570, she said, she encouraged her to refrain from ordering your sisters to do what they'll be unable to do because they're not having the strength within themselves. She was really saying, build your people. Don't give them more than they can handle, but challenge them, yes, but help them grow because we need our people. We cannot do this work without our people. It's not about us. And Dave, you mentioned those organizations that are gone. It wasn't about the people. It was about the bottom line. Mm. Our assets are in our people. And our people hold up our mission, and we really must invest in our people as as leaders uh, for the future. Most of us don't lead organizations, but most of us are in families. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. Um, now you go back to my initial, um, the difference, uh, my initial comment around management versus uh, leadership, and it's not about managing. A family. <laughs> when the kids are young, it is. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of direction. Exactly. Offered, right? Yeah, that's right. But as they get older, that's this right. has been, you know, my wife and I have eight kids and now seven grandkids, which is, you know, just the coolest thing ever. But, you know, we've seen, too, our kids go from, obviously, birth all the way through to uh, our oldest son is 33. So we've got, you know, two or three who are in their early 30s. And it's really interesting as you go through, you know, through the teenage years and then the kids become adults and the nature changes very much from management to leadership in the sense that, 
you know, if, if, I think if we're parenting properly, we're not always telling them when they're 25 years old what they should be doing. You know, it's more we are in a supportive seat where we are helping them to think about some of the challenges that they're coming across, preferably when asked, you know, because we've got that credibility because they know that we love them. But then, you know, it's it it again goes back to we love them. And that's got to be the draw. That's got to be the and and then hopefully we've got as well the ability to have demonstrated to them in our lives that we've got some wisdom to share with them. And you know, we I've I've often talked about like evangelization in families, and and I truly believe that the only way that we can be effective in that is to by demonstrating our own conversion, mm-hmm. because our family knows us; they know our weak spots. But if they see how the gospel is truly transforming us, then we have something to say. And we're always willing to listen as well because, you know, again, we model it after Jesus, Dave, just to, to your point. We always have to be in a place where, you know, where we are ready to love them and present ourselves as, as in that place. But, you know, Jesus didn't like smack all the disciples upside the head and say, you know, you think just one. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I think it's really important that we always come back to that sense of personal conversion and, and making sure that we're doing it for the right reasons. Amanda talked mm-hmm. about sort of purifying our intentions. Um, and by the way, I got to put a plug in. Kelly's made some really good points about, you know, can the church give us the wisdom to help us along this path? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best organizations that, that I've followed for years is Opus Dei. Mm-hmm. Founded by Saint Jose Maria Escriva, you know, who is just very profound and and has lots of high octane content about how we can transform our work into sanctification, and uh, so th- there's a lot there. One of the antiphons in the office of readings this morning was, uh, "Wait for the Lord to lead, then follow in His way." Mm-hmm. The 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 wait was the word. I mean. <laughs> right away pop <laughs> for me um but that 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 comes from obviously from prayer sure. and, and, and um to recognizing what god's will is in every situation whether it's in an organization or in family or or personal life is, is waiting for the lord to lead and then to follow and praying like crazy for wisdom mm-hmm. every single day you know yeah i think as uh whether it's in the family environment and, and Kevin, you have eight kids. That's, that's, that's a wonderful vocation. I've been blessed to have one child, which means that I had one chance to get it right. <laughs> so, um, lots of reminds, pressure. <laughs> she reminds me of that often. It's like, dad, you were always there. And I'm like, you were the only thing I had to, to focus on, not to break you, develop you. But now she's living her best life. And, and as an adult, you know, we pray leaders do pray. And I think it's important for, our people, our family, to see us pray, too. It's not just this private devotion as well. Whether we're opening a meeting with prayer, whether we're praying Liturgy of the Hours, or whether we're just um, in a prayerful space, I think it's important for for leaders to pray, whether people are looking or not, to pray for wisdom, to pray for courage, to be obedient to the demands of that vocation, because leadership is really a vocation as well. Um, It would be much easier just to sit in the back and you know, right along. Hmm. And, uh, but that's not what God has called us to do. He's called us to, to, to inspire people and get them 
behind his will for the, for our organization, for our family. Um, and that's a big role that um, I think, as we talked about in the men's conference, that fathers have to play uh, in their family life as well. Leaders pray. I think leaders are present, too, uh, present to the people that we walk with, we accompany with. It's um, one of the things that I like to do, and as I'm getting to know my staff five months in, um, they're, uh, a couple of them are like, you keep walking by in the morning saying hi. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> and a cup of coffee, and it's like, we're not well, – do you need something? <laughs> no. How was your weekend? You know, you know. How are your girls? Yeah. I went around yesterday and I was like, "There's someone in the office with a Girl Scout cookie order sheet, please." Yeah. I'm used to spending like a hundred bucks by now, and I haven't seen a sheet yet. So I expect to have three Girl Scout cookie sheets on my desk when I get back today. Um, but leaders are present uh, with their people, and they walk the floor, they walk the work. We we saw that with. Uh, Pope St. John Paul II, and now with Pope Francis, they were leaders with the people. Mm. Uh, and that's a really beautiful model to see. And then I also believe that leaders not only pray and are present, but they're positive. They they really do sincerely believe that better is possible, and better is kind of a default position that we have. Um, we can help people to to go forward and, and, and really grind through those challenging points because, you know, it, I'm sincere when I say, okay, this is going to be tough, but we got this. You got this because I trust you. Trust is our currency. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Kelly. I love that because uh, we talk about at Rev Local, leaders are believers, you know, and you have to be a believer in being able to accomplish the mission. And and uh, I also love trust being sort of the the basic, you know, the, the currency as you called it. That sort of there's a base element that you've got to have trust. And one of my favorite business authors is a guy named Pat Lencioni who's wonderful, who's actually a very devout Catholic. He and Chris Stefanik have uh, this uh, a new three-minute reset podcast that's terrific. And Pat, I, I actually met Pat and uh, and Chris together 10 years ago, I think. I was speaking down in Denver and uh, met a friend, and he pulled me into this conference room. He said, hey, I got some friends that I want you to meet. And there's Pat Lencioni, who was like my favorite author. <laughs> and I was so blown away. And Chris <laughs> Stefanik was there and some other people. And, you know, he is so good. All of his books are excellent and have just completely transformed the way that I look at, for example, teamwork, which is critical for, for effective leadership. You know, you, you've got to build a healthy and cohesive team. One of his books is called The Ideal Team Player. And he talks about the essential virtues of teamwork, being, uh, being humble, hungry, and smart. So the humility is kind of the baseline the uh, hunger is the achievement drive, and then being smart is the EQ smart, not the IQ smart. It's it's how you treat people, you know, and, and with respect and dignity, and 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 hopefully even honor, you know. So I all of his stuff I would highly recommend. It's it's just really good to, and I know at least my brain likes these frameworks, you know, to help you think about leadership and and where the flat spots are, where you can improve, because it's it's not like you can ever say. I am an awesome leader, period, full stop. You know, it's it, everybody who does this has to work at it every single day. You know, we all have to strive to continue to get better. And, you know, but we also learn from one another. One of the things mm -hmm. I love about working with Mark Hawk, and, and Dave, you know him pretty well. He is uh, an exceptional leader. I hope I'm not, I hope he's not listening because I don't want to mess up his humility. But he, one of the things that he is just exceptional at is decision-making. 
And if you think about it, that's that's a gift to the people that he works with because he's very decisive. And 99 times out of 100, he's, he's exactly right. And the other 1% of the time, he's willing to listen to other other you know mm-hmm. counterpoint opinions so those types of attributes for leaders are are extremely important too because they recognize what the people who are following need and uh, he saves us all a lot of work <laughs> is there an aspect of surrender in the leadership you think oh yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah and, uh, especially as the scope of what you're responsible for grows or or the the size of your team or the the organization that we have is continuing to grow we have to be able to 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 empower others to really make decisions and lead Um, and there's a lot of conversations that say that's a decision i trust you to make Mm. Um, i think as leaders we have to be okay getting to a destination that we've crafted together but perhaps getting by their own path Mm-hmm. In the business world, we talk about succession planning, right? And you look at now in the, in the biblical worldview and how Christ led, uh, empowering his disciples, you know, trained them, gave them authority, and made sure they understood the mission. And then because this breaks down a little bit here, he said he would never leave them. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, obviously through the Holy Spirit and a living person remains with us. But his character and the way he modeled um, leadership and staying on mission and proclaiming the gospel stays to this day through the church. Um, what a blessing. You had mentioned that also, Kevin. What a blessing. It is have. a blessing. You know, what's interesting is to this day, the business structure you know, the, the typical pyramid that you see is actually modeled after the Vatican. Mm-hmm. It's modeled after the church hierarchy. So th- there's, there is a lot of wisdom in that. And, and again, not that our execution is always good, right? There are lots of examples where it isn't. But the church does have so much to teach us. And, you know, again, I know every single day I pray for humility, wisdom, and love when I go into the office because those are the the attributes that I think are just so important to lead effectively because, you know, again, there's always uh, this, there's always a temptation to go in to yourself, but you got to remain externally focused. Mm. I loved our conversation this morning, Kelly Henderson, Kevin Lowry. Thanks for being with us in the cafe, talking about leadership. Tomorrow morning, we have Dr. Perry Cajal and Liz Christie. And we're going to talk with them about finding hope. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. God bless you all. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 8.